much. Welcome to the Oscars. Congratulations. Congratulations to everyone who's nominated. And here are the nominees for Best Director. And now, here are the nominees for Original Screenplay. Here are the outstanding nominees for performance by an actor in a leading role. Here are the nominees for performance by an actress in a leading role. So here are the nominees for Best Picture. And the winner is Sally Field in Places in the Heart. The first time I didn't feel it, but this time I feel it. And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. Cuba Gooding Jr. and Jerry Maguire. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God, for putting me through what you put me through. But I'm here and I'm happy. <laughs> um, I just want to, uh, here we go. OK, uh, the studio, I love you, and Cameron Crowe, and uh, Tom Cruise, I love you, brother. And the Academy Award for Best Picture. La La Land. <laughs> What did you do? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Holmes Movies Podcast, here with another alternative Oscars episode, uh, the Anders and Adamy Awards. Uh, today we are going back to the year 1950, not 1955, otherwise I would make a Back to the Future reference. So we are at the 22nd Academy Awards, it's March 23rd, 1950, at the RKO Pantages Theatre in Hollywood, California. The host was Paul Douglas. Paul Douglas? Yeah, Paul Douglas. Familiar with him? Vaguely? What was he in? Uh, he was in movies like Born... Ye oh, he was in the TV movie Born Yesterday. He was in uh, a lot of TV stuff. Uh, Rhubarb, which is a film about a cat with... Um, with uh, What's his name? Uh, Ray Milland. He became, a, he became a radio announcer. He's, he feels like he was just like a personality. Yeah, but he does have a connection to one of the films that was nom that was up for a bunch of Oscars uh, this year, uh, A Letter to Three Wives, which was uh, directed by Joseph L. Mankiewicz, who uh, won Best Director, and he also won Best Screenplay, and he would win both those awards again the following year for which film? Adam, guess. Uh, All About Eve. Yes, he did that. He was the first uh, to win two years in a row Best Director and Best Screenplay. Very cool. Uh, Joe Mankiewicz is a genius. I mean, th those Mankiewicz brothers—they knew a thing or two. Um, <clears throat> maybe they should do it. Maybe they should do well, a film about him, but call it the Other Mank. <laughs> Jank. Um, <laughs> uh, so, um, if you might, I'm just going to read a little bit from the, the the good book I have about the Oscars, and here it is. So, who War got you that book? And it was a uh, Adam. It was you. <laughs> it's a very very lovely christmas present uh so war war and politics adultery and lonely spinsters these were what the 1949 academy awards were made of after his, yes go spinsters <laughs> after his anti so, so this is the those are the those are the, the year before the 1949 academy awards. well no it, it well it, they call it the 1949 academy awards but it's in 1950 but it, I don't. Oh god. Okay, carry on. Carry the on. Book is, the book is confusing because when I look for the 1950 Oscars, I'm looking at the films that were nominated in 1950 for the 51 Oscars. I hate this. I can't wait for this sequence. This sequence of episodes to be over so we can go back to normal. Okay, yes. carry on. So after his anti-Semitism drama, Gentleman's Agreement. Have you seen that film with Gregory Peck? No. It's uh, it's an interesting film. Uh, won Best Picture at the 1947 Academy Awards. Producer Daryl F. Zanuck reportedly turned to an associate and cried, "Let's do it with a Negro." The what? result, <laughs> yeah, that that was something he apparently. Oh said. God! Oh, what, what was it? What did they do? 
Well, they made a movie Let's called... Do it. Oh, God. That, so, oh, my apologies, everyone listening. Uh, we were, we're quoting Daryl Zanuck. Yeah. Um, it but, was... The, um, oh, my God. He sounds was, like the guy from bloody Trading Places. <laughs> He's a Negro. Christ. Um, Stop yeah. saying the word. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so the film is. You're going to get cancelled. Just because you're wearing a Du Bois t shirt doesn't mean you can say Negro. Oh, no, I said it. Okay, let's stop saying that word. Okay, so the film yes. is Pinky. It was directed by Elia Kazan, who also. Pinky? Yeah, Pinky. The film is called Pinky. Pinky. P I N K Y. Yeah, I know Pinky. I'm going to get. And as. <laughs> I am thinking of only one. When you say the word Pinky, there's only one thing that comes into my mind. Pinky and the brain, brain. Um, we're going to take over the world. So they produced that. Well, I mean, another. I will say this: brain is connected to an actor who's in a film that we may bring up this episode. Yes, his voice is based on Orson Welles. Yes, yes. So yeah, the film uh, Pinky, which caused. According to Wikipedia, of course, considerable controversy because of its subject of race relations and the casting of Jean Crane to play a black woman. It was nonetheless a critical and commercial. Let me guess. Let me guess. Jean Crane is not black. Uh, yeah, it's the she plays a a young light skinned black woman who passes for white, but oh I think God. in real life she was white. She was a fucking redhead. Jesus Christ, Hollywood. Oh, my God. Daryl Zanuck, what an oaf. Yeah. Um, yeah, if the critical... Uh, yeah, so it goes on. If the critical response to Pinky was a disappointment, Zanuck wasn't overly concerned. Shortly after the film opened, columnist Herb Stein leaked, those in the know say that Daryl Zanuck has another ace up his sleeve, which he won't pull out until the eve of the Academy Award nominations with 12 o'clock high. That sounds a bit dirty. An ace up your sleeve is a perfectly so What do you think he's going to pull out? No, he said, which he won't pull out. It just sounds a bit, bit, bit risque. You pull out the ace from your sleeve. You're so smutty these days, Anders. Get your head out of the gutter. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, well, uh, it was 12 o'clock high. There was another film that he was uh, producing that year, which was also up for an Oscar for Best Picture. 12 o'clock high, the Gregory Peck uh, uh, fighter film. Ooh, movie. Which is actually kind of interesting because of the recent release of Masters of the Air. I think that draw quite heavily on Twelve O'clock High is like the original um, bomber film. The original kind of like bomber. Yeah, exactly. Power to bomber there. Power to bomber there. Um, anyway, um, okay. So good context. Good context. Uh, uh, wait, Heather Hopper. Heather Hopper called Twelve O'clock High the best picture I have seen this year. And Luella Parsons said, "When Academy of Voting Time comes, it will be the pictured." to beat and it did not win uh but let's talk about that later let's do some of the other minor categories first uh just so you remember folks this is where we go back in time and change um change the the oscars yes you know what i mean yeah we give it we give the oscars to different people unless we think that they need to uh be uh given to the people who did win them and then we give them to the people yes Right. Okay. Cast. What do we do? Cinematography. We usually start with cinematography. Um, where is cinematography? Oh, it's all the way at the bottom. Okay. Best cinematography, black and white, went to Battleground to Paul C. Vogel. Now that's I've not seen Battleground, but it's supposed to be a really good film. But I 
look, I mean, here it is, okay? This is the film that we're going to talk about a lot this year. The Third Man is released in 1949. Now, it wasn't filmed in 1949, but it was released in 1949. Yes. You've got to give it to The Third Man, right? Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I know that there's that old joke about, you know, William Wyler sending uh, Carol Reed a spirit level because the the uh, the angles were so funky. But, I mean, Robert Kraska films the fuck out of Vienna in, in yeah. that film. But I think but I think the Dutch angles lend a certain quality to the film that actually elevates the of sort they of do. paranoia and the um just the suspense. I think they did a, I think he did a remarkable job with that film. Yeah, of course he did. William Wyler got it wrong. Um but um yeah, so let's give it to let's give black and white cinematography to the third man. Um I I'm sure Battleground is a lovely looking film. Some of the other um some of the other uh, nominations, uh, Champion, I don't know what that is. Come to the Stable, that just sounds like a porn movie. Now <laughs> I had is in the gutter. The, the Heiress, which is a really good movie. Uh, nice cinematography. And then Prince of Foxes, which I don't know what is. I mean, other black and white cinematography from the year that you could give it? Um, uh, there's a film called The Setup with uh, Robert Ryan, which is another, uh, uh, which is a Robert Wise film, which um, is a film that actually, I think, inspired... Uh, uh, Raging Bull. It, the, the cinematographer on that film was Mil- Milton Krasner. Oh, sounds similar to Robert Krasner, but not quite. Um, a, a film that is really beautiful, um, which is actually not as well known as it should be, is a Paulin Pressburger picture from 1949 called The Small Back Room with uh, David Farrer and Kathleen Byron. That is filmed in black and white and it, and it's really gorgeous. I really want to watch that. Oh, it's great. Oh, watch it, watch it, watch it. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, okay, so next category, what are we what are we thinking? Well, there's cinematography and colour and that went to She Wore a Yellow Ribbon. Oh, fuck, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, right. I think that's pretty much I think we can, I think we can leave that the way. Yeah. It is right? a pretty good looking film. It's a bloody Gorgeous film. Yeah. And we've been to where it's filmed. That is true. That is true. Including the place where we had breakfast was where they had the fort in the movie. Really? It was there? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. At Goulding's Lodge. Oh, wow. I'm I'm, I'm like, now, the more you say it, the more, the less sure I get, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm sure we can fact check this later. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah, we're gonna do that. Yeah, sure, sure. Hmm. Speaking of getting cancelled, this was a song that won best original song. Baby, it's cold outside. No, yo. Why Which, did it win best original? What was it from? Um, was it from Come to the Stable? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was from a film called Neptune's Daughter, the Technicolor film. That also sounds like a porn movie. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, in the book it says a highlight of the evening was the performance of the best song nominee, Baby It's Cold Outside, which Paul Douglas referred to as the Bachelor's Anthem. Oh god. It's about like swimming costumes. What Neptune's daughter? At the yeah, someone called Jack goes on a date with someone called Betty. He secretly <laughs> plays a Spanish language instruction record while pretending that he is speaking romantic Spanish phrases. What the fuck? All right. So, so okay, uh, Neptune's Daughter, fine. Uh, best original song, I don't know. Have you seen any musicals from this year? Let's see. <clears throat> I haven't. Oh, no, On the Town. Oh, I haven't seen On the, on the Town. New York, New York. There was a song from Come to the Stable, which was also nominated for Best Original Song, and it's called Through a Long and Sleepless Night. <laughs> this is Okay, so hang on a minute. I'm going to say New York... New York, New York song. 
car uh, from On the Town. Let's see when it was written. Okay, uh, it's from the 1944 musical, so it's probably not an original song. Um, anyway, I don't care about this category. Can we move on? Yeah, uh, I would also maybe nominate the Headless Horseman song from uh, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, which is sung by uh, Bing Crosby. Well, that's a great nomination. Let's stick with that. It's got to be better than Baby It's Cold Outside. Yeah, less problematic than Baby It's Cold Outside. And actually a really creepy song when you actually watch the film in the context uh, of the scene. I've never seen Ichabod and Mr. Toad. I really want to. It's actually... For like an animation film, it's quite creepy. Like it's very like gothic and moody and cool and 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 it's it's a great film to watch at Halloween. I would say if you're like a beginner to the horror genre. Okay, yeah, cool. So uh, should we go to let's go? Okay, so we're up at the screenplay category. So we have best screenplay that went to A Letter to Three Wives to Joseph L. Mankiewicz. Other mm-hmm. nominations were All the King's Men to Robert Rosson, Bicycle Thieves to Césaire Savantini. But that came out in 1948. You see, now we have this stupid problem. Yeah, but I think it was released in America. as It was called in the in America, it was called The Bicycle Thief. And I think it probably was released in 1949. Okay, so are we including, this is a question for you, Anders, are we including Bicycle Thief in our nominations for other categories? Uh, yes. Okay, cool. Great. Good to know. Yeah. So, um... Best screenplay should go to Bicycle bicycle Thieves then, except it should also go to The Third Man. And actually, that's the best screenplay. Maybe they should have got a tie. It should have gone to Bicycle Thieves. No, no, no. Third Man's better. I mean, they're both brilliant films, but Andy, the screenplay for The Third Man, come on. I mean, the script is just like chef's kiss, you know? Yeah, I mean... A Letter to Three Wives is also a Jeff's Kiss kind of... Jeff's Kiss? Who the fuck is Jeff? I said Chef's Kiss. You said Jeff's Kiss? No, I didn't say Jeff. I said Chef's Kiss. Right. Let's carry on. Cool whip. No, yeah, I did say Jeff's Kiss. I just wanted to hear you react. Uh, It's a Kevin Smith reference. Uh, Anyway, yeah, it is a Chef's Kiss. Oh, my God. Have you seen A Letter... We just lost a thousand listeners. (laughs) I'd also recommend A Letter to Three Wives. It is a very good film, but not as good as the screenplay for All About Eve. I think he deserves it a lot more for that film. I've not seen A Letter to Three Wives. It's uh, it, it was on the Criterion Channel a couple of years ago as part of the it was a part of that Joseph L. Mankiewicz collection. Yeah, I missed it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Coincidentally, I've, I've lost track. He also Where adapted. Uh, we're still at the screenplay, but he also adapted a Graham Greene book, The Quiet American. Which I've not seen either, and I want to, because that's one of my favourite, favourite novels. In fact, I just reread it. Um, have you ever read that book? No, I haven't read it. I've not seen the one with Michael Caine and Brendan Fraser, which is supposed yeah. to be quite, quite good. There's that Graham, Graham Greene all over the place. The Fallen Idol was nominated. Um, and of course he wrote The Third Man, um, which is brilliant. So, okay, so best... best- Story and screenplay went to the film Battleground to Robert Parosh. I'm so that's best story and screen. So what's that? So that's like best original screenplay. Or yeah, what? yeah, yeah. Best, yeah, basically. I don't understand why Bicycle Thieves because Bicycle Thieves is an original screenplay. So what's best story and screenplay all about? Well, maybe if it's if it's best, we could give best screenplay then to Bicycle Thieves and give best story and screenplay to Third Man. Well, I mean, because well, I mean, in the other, I mean, the in the best screenplay category, they're all adapted from books or plays. And his bicycle thieves adapted from a play. Yeah, it's adapted from a book. Um, it's adapted from a novel called the by called the Bicycle Thief by um, Luigi Bartolini. 
Well, okay. And actually, The Third Man is an adaptation of a book. Okay, so The Third Man has to win there. So then, original story, uh, well, you could say... Um, you know what you could say, actually, is... Um, I'm just going to check that it's... Uh, um, Nine Hearts and Coronets? <laughs> oh, well, that's actually not a bad shout. Um... It, it it could be um it could be the film Bitter Rice, Riso Amaro, which is a sort of Italian crime neorealist melodrama. Yeah. Um But actually, um, Kind Hearts and Coronets is a really good idea. Yeah, it's a good film. Very funny. Can I ask a quick question? Yeah, sure. How is your sleep? Hmm. It's better, thank you. Um, and not least because of the good folks at Magic Mind, as I've told you before. I'm a new dad, so I've had some trouble with um, sleep deprivation, involuntary sleep deprivation. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, that has led to some trouble with focusing at work and being creative uh, and trying to, you know, record podcasts with you. Uh, so, uh, you know, what are the solutions to that? Drink loads of coffee? Complain? Pretend it isn't happening? No, those don't work. You've got to find a different way forward and you've got to find a way to reclaim your brain. The you in this story is me, but it could also be you because everyone needs uh, to find that greater focus, that greater productivity. And I have found it thanks to Magic Mind. They really have improved my mornings, my whole day. I, um, you know, I, I, I take these little shots with me everywhere. It's like, it's like ammunition, good, natural ammunition for my day that I can drink whenever I need a quick energy boost. But the good thing about it is the energy, the caffeine is slow releasing. So I feel the benefits for a long time and it really helps me feel focused, creative, mentally elastic, uh, and, I, and, and energetic and positive and productive and all sorts of other good adjectives that I could uh, continue to spout thanks to my newfound mental acuity. Um, what's in Magic Mind? Well, all natural ingredients. So you don't have to worry about that. There's no sugar. There's no nuts. There are no vegans. I mean, there are no things that vegans can't have. If you're a keto person, great. You can have Magic Mind. If you're a paleo person, good for you. You can also have Magic Mind. Knock yourself out. But, but don't knock yourself out. You won't be knocked out because you'll be drinking Magic Mind. Uh, you'll be having matcha. You know matcha, right? I'm, I'm a matcha man. You're a matcha man. Uh, you've met your matcha. And, uh, and matcha is a great ingredient. Because it has natural caffeine that takes longer to release into the body. There is ashwagandha in this. Ashwagandha has been used medicinally since 6000 BC. And it's fun to say, ashwagandha. It's an adaptogen that reduces stress and anxiety. Throw in some lion's mane mushrooms and some rhodiola rosea and you are ready to go. But you know what you really want to do if you want to get ready to go with Magic Mind? is use our very, very special offer code that you'll find at www.magicmind.com slash homes, H-O-L-M-E-S, in case you don't know how to spell. www.magicmind.com slash homes. And when you go to www.magicmind.com slash homes, you want to use that very special offer code HOMES20. Once again, HOMES20, H-O-L-M-E-S-2-0, to get up to 56% off your subscription for the next 10 days. Now, what are you waiting for, folks? The good people at Magic Mind will give you a 100% money back guarantee if you don't like the shop. But of course you're going to like the shop because it's going to make you feel better and it tastes good. I really like the flavor personally. Uh, and so do the Kardashians. That's right. You heard me correctly. It's the Holmes Brothers. 
and the Kardashians. It's a match made in heaven. A match made in heaven, if you will. We are both endorsing this fantastic product and encouraging you, uh, you know, to get on it and uh, and reclaim your brain. We stand behind it. Well, I do. I, I'm the one who's tried it. And as the, the postal service still needs to get to Denmark. But you know what? It really works for me. And I know it'll work for you too if you're having trouble focusing, if you're having trouble sleeping, and if you just need a little bit of pep in your step. So um, go to www.magicmind.com slash homes, enter the offer code HOMES20 and reclaim your brain. We are into the acting category. So let's start with Best Supporting Actress. So that went to Mercedes McCambridge, uh, All the King's Men. She played the character Sadie Burke. And uh, people she's, who... She's very, she's very good in that film. I mean, yeah. she's good in everything. Um, all the King's Men did extremely well and is not... I think is a very over-the-top and somewhat overwrought film. Um, and it's a... It's a it's a sort of pseudo biopic, right? Of um, Lou Huey Wallace. Long. No, he, oh, Huey Long. No, no, yeah, no, not fucking Wallace. No, Huey Long. Um, and it's like, why not just do a film about Huey Long? Um, it's really kind of it's 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 a big brash kind of movie, um, which befits Huey Long, I suppose. Um, but um, I mean, this kind of comes back to what we said on an episode where we were talking about Maestro when we were talking about Leonard Bernstein, like why not just do a film a, a based or about Leonard Bernstein's life, but just don't call the character Leonard Bernstein. So I guess it kind of makes well, so sense. Then I, now I'm sitting here saying they should have done a film about Huey Long. doesn't matter. Look, it's just not that great in my opinion. Although I do think she's very good. Other choices for best supporting actress. Let's hear them. Alida Valley from uh, Third Man. Uh, yeah, although you could almost go as far as to say that she is the... Well, lead. Yeah, the lead, yes. That's true. You could also... Um, let's see now. You could also have... What's her name in On the I would, Town? I would maybe even, you know, uh, I mean, nominate some of the people who, from from uh, A Letter to Three Wives, Jean Crane, uh, Jeff, uh, uh, or even Linda Darnell and Anne Southern. I think you could nominate some of the people in, um, uh, in um, uh, On the Town. I th I'm thinking of, of... I think it's Betty Garrett, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in on the town is very good. So, um, so there's a few choices. Uh, then there is Audrey Totter, uh, in, uh, the setup. I thought she she gives a really good performance in that film. Yeah, she does. But you know what? I can't I can't remember which one is which. But back to that film, Bitter Rice. That's got a couple of really really good, okay, um, ladies in it. Yeah. So, uh, Sylvina. Um, is it Sylvina Mangano in The Bitter Rice? She is terrific in that film. Um, okay. She could be a domination. And I, I think you could say, potentially, uh, I think you could say Kathleen Byron in The Small Back Room, actually. Yes. So cool. you've basically not seen any of these films. So uh, do you want me to pick one? Yeah, pick one, yeah. I would go for Kathleen Byron because she's just so fantastic. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Kathleen Byron, she's um, Sister Ruth in um, Black Narcissus. Oh, yeah. She's amazing in that film. Yeah. Yeah. She should also have won for that. Um, okay. Best Supporting Actor? 
Yeah, so that went to Dean Jagger for 12 o'clock high at 12 o'clock high as Major Harvey Stovall. And when he went to go get his Oscar, he said, I feel uh, I feel as emotional as the Dickens. Feel as emotional as the Dickens. Hmm. Um, also nominated James Whitmore, Ralph Richardson, Arthur Kennedy and John Ireland. Um, I don't know what the hell John Ireland, John Ireland, good actor, but I don't know what the hell he's doing in there for all the King's men um ralph richardson is really really good in the area so i would keep him in there but i think there are some other choices that we could uh come up with uh such as uh orson motherfucking wells in the third man or yeah. i would say uh trevor howard in the third man but i think it's got to be orson wells right yeah yeah definitely and i mean david oselznick did quote call him box office poison and originally didn't want uh Orson Welles in the film. Well, he really fucked up the whole movie when it, the version that was released in the United States was cut completely differently from what Carol Reed and Graham Greene intended. So for years and years and years, the version of The Third Man that you could see over here in America was completely Hollywoodized and weird. And um, and I think it just really impacted the movie's success because Graham Greene didn't like the whole plot he didn't like wells he didn't like any uh, he just didn't like anything about the film and he kept complaining to the directors that there was like all kinds of like gay subtext between the joseph cotton and the orson wells character which there of course is but like um you, you know the it was it was just classic like selznick stupidity um yeah so yeah anyway um and he produced I think gone with the wind <laughs> Right, exactly. So um, I think it's got to be Orson Welles for The Third Man. It would have been really nice to see Orson Welles get a supporting actor Oscar. Imagine what would have done for his career. Yeah. I did watch you know, that. You know, and actually, you know what? I, I will also say, someone else you could give the supporting actor Oscar to is Alec Guinness for his uh, performances in Kind Hearts and Coronets. Yeah. And he he was doing what Peter Sellers was doing in Doctor Strange Love, and he did it you know, it was a different performance like each time as one of those characters and he managed to just, it was so good. He was a genius actor. He really was. I actually, I'm almost tempted to say that he should actually, I think maybe he should have won more more than Wells. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. It's a Sophie's Choice. Um, gosh, I'm saying Sophie's Choice. We talked about that already. <laughs> um, we, um, it's, it's, ooh, it's really difficult. Um, yeah, let's give it to Orson Welles because Alec Guinness won other Oscars. Or he's gonna, but we, you know, he's gonna, we're gonna give him other Oscars in our time machine. Um, I think so, you may have, you may have brought it up on the podcast, or uh, or maybe just off podcast. But I did watch the bloopers of him in that champagne commercial, Orson Welles. I think you oh, the wine advert. Oh God, yeah. Can you actually drop in a clip uh, to this? <laughs> now that we're mentioning Orson Welles, just, just listeners. You've got to you've got to experience the the Orson Welles uh, and trying and failing to to do uh, a wine advert. It's uh, it's very funny. Action, Orson, please. You just do anything? No, it's a, sorry, Kat. Yeah, rolling. One oh two, take two. Ah, the French champagne has always been celebrated for its excellence. There is a California champagne by Paul Masson, inspired by that same French excellence. It's fermented in the bottle, and like the best French champagne, it's vintage dated. Cut. So, Paul Masson. 102, take three. Action, please. 
Ah, the French champagne has always been celebrated for its excellence. There is a California champagne by Paul Masson, inspired by that same French excellence. It's fermented in the bottle and like the best French champagne, it's vintage dated. So Paul Masson super. Feel sorry for the people who had to stand next to him for all those takes. So I mean, it is also kind of sad because, like, you know, his it's like, yeah, Citizen Kane happened, and then it was just one big kind of booze party, turbulent. You know, I mean, he still made, made really good films after that. So it's just it just shows how difficult it is to be someone like Orson Welles, uh, who wasn't known exactly for being compromising, uh, and who had a quite a healthy ego on him. And also, you know, just the power of the Hollywood system to break, like, artistic power. <laughs> mm -hmm. Anyway. Yeah. So, Best Actress went to Olivia de Havilland for The Heiress. Now, I 1 million percent agree with this um, award, and I don't want to change it. I think okay. it's... Have you seen The Heiress? It's with um, Montgomery Clift, right? Yeah. I've been meaning to watch it. I think we did buy it on DVD at one point. And I think... Yeah, I have it over here, I think, on DVD. But it's, it's really, if you get a chance to watch it, it's really, really good. Yeah, yeah I, def I, definitely, I definitely want to watch it. Um, yeah, I, I, I've, heard it, I've heard it is very good. So I, I, I think we should just, just leave it there, give it to her. Um, I'm interested in talking about Best Actor because yeah. it went to Broderick Crawford for on the, uh, the Kingsman, All the Kingsmen. Gregory Peck was nominated, Kirk Douglas was nominated, Richard Todd was nominated, interestingly, and John Wayne was nominated, but he was oh. nominated for the wrong movie. Yeah, Sands of Iwo Jima. But he should have been nominated for She Wore a Yellow Ribbon. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean, he is good in Sands of Iwo Jima, but it is a very forgettable John Wayne performance. Well, it's a, it's a propaganda movie. It's a, it was made to it was made to boost, uh, you know. Um, Korean uh, War, <laughs> make people go fight. Well, the, yeah, the Marine, it was made for the Marine Corps essentially. Um, but he is terrific in uh, She Wore a Yellow Ribbon, um, which is very, a wonderful very, movie. Con very convincing playing. I mean, I know John Wayne is was you know it wasn't an actor with immense range, but I think he did very well playing a character who was much older than he was at the time. Yes, no, he's he's really really good as Nathan Brittles. Um, so I would say. Um, I would say for just, you know, I think we should give it to John Wayne. John Wayne for She Wore, wore Yellow Ribbon, yes. There you go. Do you think and that then... should have won Best Original Song? The title song for the film? Um, yeah, it, it did get turned into an Arsenal chant, that song. Um, no, I think we chose, I think we can stick with your Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Yeah. Um, uh, it's also, it might not be best originals. I mean, it might not be an original song. Um, okay, so best director. Yeah, so Paul Douglas, who was the host, he joked that the director award would be presented by the best looking director in town. And then Ida Lupino strolled out and was soon handing Joseph L. Mankiewicz, who had just won best screenplay, his second Oscar of the evening. And uh, she, I mean, she is a really good director, but that's so annoying to be like, and look at this pretty little quote unquote director. Isn't that funny? The woman thinks she could do a movie. And it's like, it's very yeah, annoying. And then I don't know. I think Joseph of Mankiewicz said, thank you, brother Lupino. She's listed in the membership list of the Directors Guild as Irving Lupino. I think he was joking. <laughs> I think he was making a joke. 
that's not very anyway um well also i mean i mean also that was i mean roberto rossellini got a little bit of black as well when he was nominated for paisan because he was already having an affair with ingrid bergman at the time so they made a little joke about that when he was re- when they were reading his name out which got a lot of laughs apparently interesting um well best director i think your choices are if we're doing um the bicycle thieves i mean we've got to say it's vittorio de sica's got to be in there and then it's Car- i think it's basically carol reed or vittorio de sica yeah for me you wouldn't give so- it to john ford for like a John Ford getting a nomination for She Wore Yellow Ribbon? Oh, yeah, sure. I'd nominate him. And I'd nominate William Wyler for the heiress, as he was actually nominated. And, um, you know, I might even go as far as to nominate um, Powell and Pressburger for the small back room. But I think it's between Reed and DeSica. But why don't we do it this way? Why don't we give one of them best picture and one of them best director? Yeah, okay, sure. Best director, Vittorio DeSica. How about that? Yes, that sounds good. Best picture, The Third Man. Yeah, definitely. Because The Third Man, I mean, we've talked about it a hundred million times, but it is one of the most remarkable films I think ever made, as is Bicycle Thieves. But they're both, the, the, the thing about them is they're both complete products of the time that they were made because they were made in, you know, that post-war era. It's it's all, it's got, you know, Bicycle Thieves is, is specifically neorealist, but The Third Man has this very, you know, this verisimilitude is the wrong word, but this sort of documentary quality because it's filming in the ruins of Vienna and using so many, you know, extras and people, you know, from just the the the, the crowds of the, in the city. So, um, you know, they really are the sort of standout pictures from that year. I mean, when you look at it, I know there are other films. I know there's there's uh, Late Spring, which is a Ozu movie, which um, I've not seen, which obviously a lot of people talk about. There's a Kurosawa uh, film that came out in 1949, uh, The Stray Dog, which is a crime film. And um, yeah, I've just finished reading his uh, uh, Something Like an autobi- Autobiography, which I think that's the title. And um, he's talking about when he made Stray Dog and then released it, he talked about how after a screening, someone, it was a Japanese man who came up to him and was very like quite emotional and passionate because it the film really spoke to him and he really wanted to praise Kurosawa and say that. And I think and I think Kurosawa was very moved by it. Hmm. Interesting. Um I um yeah I mean I've I've actually I've never seen that one either. I've seen a lot of his films but not that one. So I would say um you know, but, but but like really when you look at it it is these um you know, it really is these two, these two films that sort of I don't know sort of come down, yeah, to me sort of echo through the ages, yeah. Um, so, uh, so I think yeah, so I think that's if you haven't seen the Third Man or uh, Bicycle Thieves, then you uh, do need to do yourself a favor. Um, I think Third Man is uh, very easy to get a hold of. I think you can rent it somewhere or stream it, and uh, the Bicycle Thieves, I think. Is is also very easy to get a hold of as well, and I'm pretty sure it is on the Criterion channel. I may be wrong. It is, and it's it's just so so incredibly worth watching. Of course, it did come out in 1948, but we'll stick to the we'll stick to the Oscars logic. Um, so yeah, um, that was a pleasure. Um, yes, I guess it's probably going to be our last alternative Oscars of this season, but I look forward to coming back next year for more. 
Cat Anders Anatomy Awards fun. Yeah, I I'm gonna start getting a bit busy in the next uh, few weeks, so I, it's gonna be a little bit difficult to maybe record another episode. So this might be, un- unless we're lucky, this might be our last episode, bef- yeah, last alternative Oscars episode before um the actual Oscars happen on March 11th. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, because you're off to Finland. Yes. Um, off to, to work the, on a movie. Off to work um, on a movie. Um, just the, uh, there were some honorary awards that were uh, given out as well uh, this year. Uh, one of them went to Cecil B. DeMille, Distinguished Motion Picture Pioneer for 37 Years of Brilliant Showmanship. Okay. And one of which, and also the other one was, uh, one of the other ones went to Fred Astaire for her, his unique artistry and his contributions to the technique of musical pictures and the the award was given to him by ginger rogers oh that's nice although they really should have given it to both of them um it's interesting because yeah fred astaire was never going to win an acting award uh and there's no Uh, award for best dancing so it's nice to recognize him in that way well the well the oscars the academy awards they've announced in 2026 that there's going to be a new category and it's not best stunt work it's best casting Best casting. I don't understand that. Like, what? Who cares? But I mean, the Screen Actors Guild Awards—they already—they have like a category for best cast in a movie and TV show. So I don't know. Oh, is it like best ensemble? Yeah, or like best casting. Like the casting department would get Oscars for like good casting in films or something. Oh, I see. I just find it a bit boring. I, I'm with you. Oh, excuse me, I'm yawning. Oh, excuse me. Uh, I'm with you. I think it should be... Um, Adam has a three-month-old be... baby, so he is very tired <laughs> these days. I think it should be... Um, I do think it should be the best uh, best stunts. Anyway, look, we've we've kept the listeners long enough. i got to go. you got to go. Yeah. Um, Instagram, Twitter, X, whatever it's called. Uh, letterboxed. Find us. Follow us. Rate us. Uh, yeah. Tell your friends to do the same. Send us an email. Yeah. Homesmoviespod at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed our uh, The Movies That Made Me episode two, where we talked to uh, Richard Bruno. So I hope you uh, enjoyed oh, That was such a good conversation. Yes. If you haven't listened to that episode, I really recommend downloading and listening to it. It's just a delightful walk down memory lane with a great storyteller. Um, and yeah. um, that was just, just tremendous. So yeah. Um, yeah, please, uh, please do give that one a listen. Yeah, we are probably going to do quite a few more Movies and Me episodes with a few lined up. So do subscribe to the podcast and stay tuned for that. And we are also going to do our top 10, our last, or I guess our last top 10 episode, which is going to be on films of the 1920s. Yeah, so our last top 10 for now. Uh, yeah. We'd probably, you know, probably come back to lists at some point. Um, so yeah, so stay tuned for all of that. And uh, you have safe travels to Finland. And yes. uh, I will see you on the other side. Don't get eaten by wolves. I'll try not to. <laughs> yeah. Or I'll be on the Ar- It'll be the first time on the Arctic Circle. So that's going to be a lot of fun. You actually going to the Arctic Circle? Yeah, we're going to be shooting up in Lapland up north. But seriously, watch out for wolves. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, uh, dress warmly. Um, anyway, yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't realize you were going into such extreme temperatures. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Yeah, I've. I mean, I've been in Chicago at minus fifteen. I'm, I can prepare for weather in that part of the world. So but yeah. that's got buildings. Lapland's not got any fucking buildings in it. Like, wait, where, where, what is the place called that you were going? 
Uh, it is the area of Lapland, but I'm not quite sure where it is. But we are we are going to prime somewhere it. in Lapland. Yeah. All right. Well, I look forward to hearing about that when you get back. If you get yeah, back. yeah, yeah. But sort of we'll be in Helsinki a, for a bit. It's of quite it. close to Russia as well. Don't like accidentally cross the border and get into a diplomatic imbroglio. <laughs> I'll try not to, but anyway, we'll see how it goes. All we'll right, see how it goes. Okay, stay safe, everyone. Yeah, have a good day. Bye. Bye bye.